It's great to be sharing you this morning. Um, we are continuing our theme uh, of who is this Jesus? Uh, if you've missed the last couple of weeks, um, Cookie kicked it off a couple of weeks ago and then we had uh, Reg um, from London Riverside Church last weekend, uh, which was brilliant as well. So uh, if you do ever miss the Sunday service, obviously it's on YouTube. I think most of you know that, but we're also on Spotify as well. So if you're going for a run or a drive or anything, you just want to listen to the, the message, uh, have a look on Spotify as well if you just want the, uh, the message for that as well. Um, so yeah, continuing this theme of who is this Jesus, um, looking at the fact that he was a man this morning. Now then, did anyone have a favourite subject at school? Um, we'll, we'll see what's kind of a, take a bit of a vote. Any, any maths fans, anyone's favourite subject was maths? See all the accountants sticking their hands up there, yeah? Uh, a few of you. Um, English? A few more maybe. PE? Yes. PE was my favourite subject. Um, what about history? <laughs> Geography? IT? Oh, not IT. Some of you didn't do IT when you were at school, did you? Um, I think I was, when I did my GCSEs, the year after I, the year below me chose, they had to, it was compulsory, they had to do IT. Everyone in my year was like, why, why were we going to need IT? Um, but yeah, here we go. When it came to choosing my GCSEs, um, obviously you pick your favourite subjects, you pick the ones that you're best at. But at my school, you had, you had a straight choice between history or geography. You had to pick one or the other. Someone really doesn't like uh, history at the back there. Um, but you had to pick one or the other. Uh, my school wasn't a, a huge school, it wasn't a very big school, so I think we had about three or four geography teachers. Uh, there was two things that they all had in common, these geography teachers. Uh, one, they were all Newcastle United fans, and were like obsessed with Alan Shearer. Um, and the second thing was they seemed to get really overexcited about rivers. Um, so I didn't really fancy two years of listening to um, these guys all going on about Alan Shearer and Newcastle and talking about rivers all the time. So I picked history. And, and one thing I noticed was we talked about history, that we, we learned about all different battles, different eras, all these different things. But at no point did we um, look at Jesus. Now you might think, well that's, that's right, that Jesus is for RS, for religious studies, uh, for that topic. But um, so often we can, we can look back and think, um, actually Jesus was one of the most important people in history that we could ever look back on. If you ask any credible historian whether Jesus Christ existed, whether he was a man that lived on this earth or not, um, they would all say, looking at the evidence, yeah, it's, it's clear that this was a person that existed. There's no real argument to say that he didn't exist on this earth. So then that brings us to the question then, who is he? Who was this Jesus that lived on this earth 2,000 years ago? You are sat in a church on a Sunday morning because of Jesus. You might think, oh, actually, I'm, I'm here because there's good coffee, or I'm here because my friend dragged me along, or um, because I had to be here, whatever, whatever reason you might think. But this church exists here because of Jesus, a man that lived 2,000 years ago. Yeah. Legacy and, and influence are things that are, I find are so often hard to, to continue after people uh, die or pass away. Often people might leave things with the best intentions. It might be a company or a business thinking this is going to carry on after I'm not here. It might be um, certain values and morals and thinking and, and teachings that people have that think I want this to last longer, after, longer than, than I'm around. 
I think of, I'm a Manchester United fan, I think of Sir Alex Ferguson. Um, he did the most he possibly could to leave our club in the best possible position to continue the success that he had. He put everything in place that he thought was the right thing to do so that the success would continue. But as we know, we're still waiting for that next uh, league title. It is so hard for that legacy to continue, isn't it? But here we are, 2,000 years later, sat in a church because of a man that lived 2,000 years ago, because of the way he lived his life, because of who he was, because of the things that he taught, that his, his following has grown, his following has increased, has multiplied in the time since he was on this earth. So this theme we're looking at, who is this Jesus, we're using the, the four different Gospels, the four first books of the New Testament, Matthew, Matt, Luke and John, that portray Jesus in different ways. So we had Jesus, that he is God, uh, that he was a servant, and now that he was a man. Now it's got three aspects of Jesus being a man that lived on this earth that hopefully can help us and encourage us uh, this morning. And all using uh, the book of Luke. Um, so the first thing that I want to uh, talk to us this, about this morning is that Jesus fulfilled a promise. Jesus fulfilled a promise. Uh, in Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 25 to 32, Uh, It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. He can, saying, he can die a happy man. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. A light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. So this man here, Simeon, he's been told, you are going to see the, the Savior. You are going to see um, the Messiah before you die. Uh, and Jesus is brought into the temple at uh, this time, God shows him, showing this is the person he'd be waiting for. This is the Son of God. This is the man that has come to save uh, the world. And in that, that this has been promised in the, in the Old Testament. This has been promised um, hundreds and thousands of years before that this man was coming. And it was the moment that he was to say, uh, that, that, through Simeon, showing that this was Jesus, that he was the Son of God. The Israelites have been waiting for years and years and years for this man to be here. And Jesus fulfilled that promise. And some of you might have heard uh, a story that um, it was on a few different interviews and things um, just after the Queen passed. Uh, so there's one of the, the Queen's uh, aides that uh, was telling this story about this time he was out uh, walking with the Queen. Uh, and they bump into these tourists. Um, I think they're American. It sounds like they're American anyway. Um, bumped into these tourists uh, and they did not recognise that this was the Queen that they were talking to. So they start having this conversation and, and they're kind of saying, oh, does, doesn't the Queen have a house around here somewhere? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then they're asking this man, they said, oh, do, have you ever met the Queen? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've met the Queen. And the, the Queen's there, just stood, stood next to them in the middle of this conversation and saying, oh, what is it like? And he's joking, saying, oh, yeah, she can, she can be a bit funny at times and, and things like that. But, uh, but yeah, she's okay. Um, and they asked him, say, oh, can you, can you take a picture? That's the Queen to take a picture of them with this man that's met the Queen. Um, completely oblivious to the person that literally the Queen is stood there uh, having this conversation with them. 
Uh, and I think that this can kind of be a bit of a picture of the, the difference between us now and the people that were alive when Jesus was, was here on earth. That people would be able to see this man, they'd meet Jesus, uh, the people obviously in the, the town that he's growing up, they'd interact with him, they'd get to know him. They'd, there'd be no question about whether he was a man or not, whether he was a human living on this earth. But they would have no idea, or some would have no idea, oblivious to the fact that he was the son of God. That he was to be the saviour of the whole earth. And for us, we, we have the Bible as a whole. We have the whole story put together. We see the promises. We see the journey of that. We see the way that Jesus came, the miracles that he did, and, and all the different accounts of his life. And for us, I think it's quite, quite obvious that we, we can see that he is the Son of God through what he did, through what he said, through his miracles. But we can often miss the fact, we can be on the other side and actually miss the fact that he was human. He was a man that lived on this earth, that went through the same things that we did. And it came in that way as well. There's a, there's a story in, in Luke chapter 8, which um, is, a, is like a light bulb moment for the disciples. Um, it's when um, Jesus and his disciples get out on this boat, they go out into a lake, um, and a huge storm starts to, to whip up. It's suddenly very windy, very rainy, and the, the disciples are all of a sudden thinking, we are going to die here. This boat is going to capsize. There's no lifeboats on this. Uh, those haven't been invented yet, I don't think. Uh, and they're kind of thinking, this is the end. And the waking Jesus up, do you not care? We're going to die. And Jesus says, whoa, have you not got any faith? Have you not realized who I am? Uh, and he, he gets up and he tells the wind and the waves to be quiet. And all of a sudden, there's calm. And in that moment, the disciples it's a, like a light bulb moment ago. Who is this guy that he tells the wind and the waves to be still? It's that moment they recognise this man is not just any other man. He's not just any other prophet. He is God. He is God himself. But that is the God that we serve. If we serve Jesus that fulfills the promises that were hundreds of years old, we serve a God that fulfills our promises as well. That the, the, the promises he's given us in his word he is never going to let us down on those. He is going to keep them. God's word never expires. That These are promises that were hundreds, thousands of years that it took for them to be fulfilled. We can wait maybe 10, even 15 years for those. I remember for me growing up, I grew up on a farm. Um, this cookie obviously likes to remind me. Didn't have a TV till I was nine. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I... Uh, I grew up on a farm and, and all the times I got frustrated with living on a farm, we didn't have central heating on our farm, so a lot of electric heat and things like that. Anytime I complained about it, that I was nowhere near any of my friends, it had to be like a full organised trip if I wanted to go and do anything with my friends. Um, anytime I complained about it, my dad would say, oh, well, God has said one day he's going to move us off the farm, he's going to leave, leave farm. And I was like, okay, well, can it be tomorrow? And he's like, no, no, we've got to wait for the right time. And that was always his answer saying, well, God said one day, and then the moment came, I think I've been at school, I came from school, and my dad says, right, that's it, God said, now is the time we're going to leave the farm. It was 14 years, so from before I was even born, that God gave that initial word to my, my dad, saying one day, he'd grown up in a farming family, he'd been and lived on a farm his whole life, that had been his, his whole livelihood, but God had said, no, one day you're going to move off the farm and go into something else. And literally, we, we moved off the farm, and then uh, two or three months later, we moved into our new house in December. I think it was the following January, February um, time, uh, the foot and mouth outbreak happened across our country. Uh, and so many of the, the farms and things were, were devastated, and people lost their livelihoods. Um, and it was incredible to see that God's promise, 14 years later, came to pass in perfect timing. 
And I think for us that God has given words over our life, it might be promises in his word in the Bible that we can cling on to, we can hold on to, knowing that God's word never expires, it never runs out of date, it is never not going to happen, he stands on that. Whatever storm you are facing in your life, like the disciples sat in that boat, whatever storm you are facing, Jesus is in the boat with you. Jesus is in the boat with you. Whatever you think about your surroundings, you have the person that speaks to the wind and the waves with you, walking you through that. So Jesus fulfilled the promise. The second thing, Jesus came to relate. And at the start of the book of Luke, it has the the genealogy. Uh, For some people, anybody really interested in family trees, find them really interesting. Not many hands going up for that. A lot of people, genealogies, the bits you kind of skip through in your Bible when there's just lists and lists of fathers and sons and fathers and sons and fathers and sons and who came after who. But the, the genealogy comes at the start of Luke and there's, there's a genealogy in Matthew as well. And John Andrews mentioned this uh, for those of you that went at life groups at the start of that video, that there's a difference between these two genealogies. Luke is trying to do something specific, that fact that in his he goes all the way back to Adam, showing that Jesus, who his dad was, who his granddad was, who his great-granddad, and so on and so on, all the way back to Adam and God in that way. And Luke is showing here that Jesus is for all people, that there's no cut-off point, there's no limitations, there's no barriers. It's not just for the Israelites, not just for the Jews, for God's people, but Jesus came for the whole world, for all of humanity. And what an encouragement that is for us, that whoever we are, wherever we're from, whatever your background is, whatever you think about yourself or, or, or who you are, Jesus came for you. Luke is showing that that he is the Luke is the only person that was a non-Jewish in, writing in the New Testament. He's showing there that Jesus came for everyone. That the Jews were waiting for their Savior, waiting for their Messiah, but Jesus came for the whole world. And I think there's there's, there's an incredible thing that we, we can. We can read about God and, and sometimes it's hard for us to understand the mind of God, isn't it? We don't always comprehend why God did certain things or or how we how he would act in certain ways, but the fact that Jesus came as a man on earth, it gives us an incredible way to relate to him, doesn't it? We can see how he lived his life. We can see who he spent his time with. We can listen and read the words that he actually said. It helps us to relate to him, doesn't it? Two ways that I think it's, it's really good for us uh, to be able to relate to Jesus. The first one is through temptation. So in Luke chapter 4, uh, verses 1 to 13, It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. Wouldn't we all be? The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man should not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. He said to him, I will give you all authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to if you worship me. It will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. 
That passage there showing that Jesus went through this time of when he was maybe felt like at his weakest, that he'd been fasting for 40 days, that often sometimes if we miss a meal, our mind starts to go a bit crazy, doesn't it? And we make some bad choices. But, uh, but he'd been fasting for 40 days and the devil is tempting him in every way possible. He's tempting him with food. He's tempting him with power. He's tempting him in all these different ways to try and get Jesus to make a mistake. And for us, often I think we can, we can quite easily make excuses for ourselves, can't we, in, in our human ways that we can, we can think about our life and think, well, if everyone else is doing it, or if it's okay, or yeah, I've had a really hard week. And, and sometimes we make poor choices and give in to the temptations in our world. But actually, we, we serve a God, we can relate to a God that has faced all those temptations himself. It can be easy, easy for us to, to give in and, and think our humanness is, a, is an excuse. Our humanness gives us a, an alibi. But actually God's given us choice. He's given us power to choose the right thing. Also through our pain. So through our temptation. But God, Jesus can relate to us through our pain as well. Luke 23, it talks about uh, the way Jesus was crucified on the cross. Jesus went through what was intended to be the most horrific death possible. With the most pain, the, the physical pain that I went through, also the, the betrayal, the loneliness, being betrayed by one of his disciples, being left by the rest. Um, for what he went through on that cross, none of us could even begin to imagine. And hopefully none of us will ever experience pain like that in our lives. But we serve, we, we have a relationship with a God that knows what it is to feel the ultimate pain. That we serve a God that has been through that, that in the midst of our pain, he can relate to us. He can heal us. What better person for us to, to walk through our pain with than the person that can heal, that can restore, but knows that pain as well. I encourage you, if you're in a, in a place of pain at this time, draw close to Jesus. He is the one that knows that more than anyone else. The third thing um, is Jesus showed a new way. Luke chapter 14, verses 18 to 19. Jesus in the, the, the temple uh, stands up and reads out. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. There Jesus is, is announcing that he's reading from Isaiah saying, I have come to bring a new way, to bring good news for the poor. Often in the way that people were living their lives, it wasn't good news for the poor at all. Saying, come to set people free from the things that they were facing in their lives. And when it uses the word poor here, it's not just talking about people that are financially poor, but people that are, are kind of poor in all different ways. That It might be the, the outcasts of society, it might be the, the sick, the ill, it might have been foreigners to that country. And people in all different circumstances that you could see as uh, that, put, that term kind of covers, not just people that were financially poor. But is your life, what a question to ask, is your life good news for the people in that world? Is your life good news for the underdogs? Is your life good news for the suffering, for the hurting in our world? Luke 15 tells, tells three parables. Um, parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin and the lost son. I think the, 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 the people this is looking at, the, the lost people, is, a, is great to, to put in that when it says this is good news for the poor, to set people free. These are talking about the same people. 
And as Jesus tells these stories, uh, he could have just used one story, couldn't he, for people being lost. He could have had one, one lost story that would have covered, covered all bases. But he chose to tell three different stories about things being lost. So the first story, he talks about uh, the lost sheep. Now this story, uh, obviously a sheep is part of the, the flock. Um, I know a lot, of, well, for someone that grew up on a farm, I know very little about farming, but I probably know more, know more than most. Uh, but a sheep is obviously part of a flock, um, but sheep aren't, sheep aren't the, the cleverest of animals. They could quite easily become distracted and, and wander off in the, the wrong way. So this sheep has come lost from the other 99 from this group of 100 sheep, it's, it's wandered off. It's not rebelled against the shepherd. It's not gone, right, I've had enough, I'm going. It will simply become distracted by other things, by a gap in the fence or, or whatever it was. And through no maybe intentional choices, this sheep has just wandered off, become distracted and found itself lost away from the rest of the herd. Uh, in this, Jesus says, the shepherd will go and search for that one. Leave the 99 and go and search for that one. I think for, for us, there'll be so many people in our world that they've maybe not intentionally turned their back on God. They've maybe not made a conscious choice, say, right, that's it, I've had enough of following Jesus. But through the distractions of this world, through the, the distractions, the um, just maybe bad choices, um, they found themselves lost and away from that relationship with Jesus. Jesus came to bring good news for those people. The second story is about a coin. This coin is lost that this. Uh, lost in the house. Now, the, the coin has not gone off. It's not made a, a, a choice of itself. But for some way, it's become disconnected with its owner. But it is still in the house. There might be people in here that are sat, you sat in church this morning, you might have been coming for church for months, years, however long, but you actually find yourself lost and away from God. And just from still being in the house, still maybe doing the right thing, but ultimately find yourself away from that relationship with God. Jesus came to bring good news for you. He wants to relate. He wants that relationship back with you. And the third and final um, story that Jesus tells about the lost things is the lost son. Now, this is a person that has literally said to his father, like, I'm not bothered about you anymore. I just want your money. He said, I want my inheritance now. Imagine saying that to your father, saying... I just want my money now, really. But thinking, if your dad was well off, I'd rather have your money than actually relationship with you. I'd rather, spend t- I'd rather just have your money than spend time with you. And he says, can I have it now? And I'm just going to go off and live, live my own life. Uh, and that's what he says to his father. And he, and he makes these choices. He goes and parties it and blows it all in the, uh, the most ridiculous ways. Um, and comes back to the point realising he's left with nothing. He thinks, actually... My dad might welcome me home. And he returns home and his dad throws a party for him. He welcomes him back in the best way possible. There's people in our world that have intentionally turned their back on God. Through whatever hurts, whatever things have happened in their life, they said, no, I don't want anything to do with God. They've rejected him. But Jesus is still good news for those people. Jesus still is good news and to bring freedom for those people. If the band would like to come back up now. So those three things, Jesus came to fulfill that promise. Whatever storms we're facing, he is a promise keeper. He will carry us through them. He came to relate to us. He wants to be with us in those times um, through temptation, through pain, whatever it is. He wants to know us in that. And he came to show us a new way to bring good news to our world, to whatever people we encounter. I'm just going back to that story of when those, those tourists met the Queen. 
Now, obviously, as you hear the story, you hear that they were quite casual with the Queen. When Cookie spoke a couple of weeks ago, he talked about how when you meet the Queen, you do have a certain set of rules that you have to follow. You can't just speak to her. You've got to wait for her to talk to you. And, uh, and you had to behave and act in a certain way and talk in a certain way. And if these tourists would have recognised, maybe if it would have clicked halfway through the conversation, who they were speaking to, I don't think they'd be asking her, giving her a camera and saying, hey, can you just take a photo of, of us? And they'd be speaking so casually and acting so casually around her. When we meet Jesus properly, it changes how we behave. It changes how we act. It should transform how we live our lives. I've got three challenges that I want to I give you on the back of this message. It might be that you think, yep, all three of them, I'm up for all three. It might be there's one thing that in particular you think, actually, yeah, that is a great challenge for me to, to think about and for me to do. The first one is, you might have, have kind of heard about Jesus. You might have recognised who he was. You might have seen him as a historical person. You might have kind of known and read about him, but never really understood who he is. The heart of this whole theme that we're talking about, who is this Jesus, is for each and every one of us to get a grasp of Jesus in our lives, to have that relationship with him. It might be you've come to church for the community, you've been coming to church for the coffee, you've been coming to church to hang out with people. But ultimately, you are here. This church exists because of Jesus Christ. I would encourage you so much to spend time reading uh, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, to see who Jesus is. See who this man that lived 2,000 years ago, the impact he has had on the world because of the things that he said, because of the way that he lived his life. If that's for you, maybe you've never really read kind of whole chunks of the Bible as one. You can take your time. I'm not saying you have to do it in a, in a couple of days. But just spend some time reading through the Gospels to actually see who is this Jesus, to get a proper picture of who he is. The second thing is that question, is your life good news for the poor? Not just the financially poor, but for, for everyone, for the downcasts, for the, the underdogs, for the, 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 those in our world. Is your life good news for those people? Does your life reflect the way that Jesus did? Think about the people in your world. It might be starting off with one act, one conversation that you have with someone thinking, actually, I don't treat that person the way that Jesus would treat them. I don't speak to that person the way that Jesus would speak to them. Is your life good news for those people? And the third thing is Jesus came to, to spread that message. He came to tell people about the good news that he has. In a few weeks, we have got Mark Ritchie coming uh, to our church. And for those of you that don't know Mark, um, he is someone that can communicate and tell people about Jesus in an incredible way. Whether people are used to being in church, used to never been in church before, Mark is someone that can communicate who Jesus is in an incredibly powerful way and funny way that anybody can relate to. I would encourage you that even if this, I'm giving you an easy way, I'm not even saying you have to tell them about Jesus. I'm saying Mark will do it for you. Just bring them to the Mark Ritchie event. Invite someone in your world to that night. That Jesus, he came to, to bring that good news and that freedom for everybody in our world. Whoever they are, invite them. Get yourself a ticket. Get them a ticket as well. There are flyers on your seats for you to take away, um, to give to someone to invite um, for that event, to share that good news that Jesus came, that he is here to bring to our whole world. If you'd like to stand, church. Just as I'm praying now, Make a, make a deal with yourself. Which of those challenges are you going to do? 
if you need to write it on your phone or write it down on your hand or on your partner's forehead, whatever. If you need to write it down, you can do that now. But Jesus came for us, for each and every one of us to transform our lives, to transform our worlds. That he has left that legacy, he's left that influence to each and every one of us to play our part in that. God, I thank you for every single person in this room, Lord. I thank you that... um, that you sent your son Jesus to our worlds to transform our world as the saviour of the world, God, that you fulfilled that promise, Lord. I just pray for each and every one of us, Lord, that we can help to know you more in our world. For, and personally, if each of us in our own relationship with you, God, you help us to, to get to know you, to love you more, to follow your ways more, and that it would change who we are, God. It will transform our behaviour. It will transform the way we speak to people. For each and every one of us, we will uh, have that growing passion, that growing desire to share your good news with our world. Amen.